Good afternoon, everyone. Woohoo! Welcome to the Woman of Marvel panel at C2E2. So we are actually recording this as a podcast. It's going up on the Women of Marvel podcast. It's following Thursday. So the louder you are, the more you're going to be able to hear yourself on the podcast. Yeah. So this is our uh, second year of bringing the panel to this convention. And every time we come here, I just love Chicago. I love the community. I love the cosplay. I love the fans. You guys are so heartwarming and so just loving and welcoming to us. And so I was really excited to be able to bring it back. And so for this year, we're sort of looking to take what the Women of Marvel is and sort of deep dive into sort of more about the creators themselves. So we've got a great group of panelists um, to join us. I'm Judy Stevens. I am the host of the Women of Marvel podcast, and I'm also a producer for the Marvel New Media team. I work on a slew of series, including Marvel Quick Draw, where we focus on comic creators and their lives and how they got to where they are, and Marvel Becoming, which is our cosplay series where we follow cosplayers becoming Marvel characters. Uh, you might see our most recent episode where we uh, did Dormelage, we've done Guardians, we've done Thor Ragnarok, we've also done comic stuff, and we've got more coming out this year, so... Um, and then we have Jen Grunewald. <laughs> so Jen is a senior editor at Marvel. She has been here for 16 years. Isn't that insane? 16. So <laughs> I know. I were, I've been here for 12, and whenever people say that, we're always like, yeah, that's a thing we do. Yeah, yeah that's a thing we do. Um, but Jen works in the trades department. She works on a lot of amazing... Uh, she basically takes all the comics that the editors put out to comic book stores and makes it into a collection that you guys can buy on like Amazon and comic book stores and stuff like that. Um, and Jen was the person who uh, was like, she has purple hair so that I can have purple hair. <laughs> so I, that's why I took the, the brave thing about nine years ago to dye my hair. And then we have Rochelle Rosenberg. Uh, Rochelle is a colorist who's exclusive to Marvel and she is working on a ton of things all the time, but currently right now, a Ben Riley Scarlet Spider. Uh, a short in the X-Men, Tales of Suspense. She's also on a Spidey book. Uh, she's on Return of the Jean Grey. She's very busy all the time. Not to mention she's a mom, she has kids, and she is a black belt in karate. Is that insane? I don't know what she has time to do all that, but she does it. And we have Jen Bartell. Uh, Jen is currently working on an upcoming um, Thor annual, which we have pages for later. Um, but she's doing a short story in that, and uh, she's, she's been doing covers for us. You might have seen her America cover and uh, tons of stuff. And I love how she draws women's hair. It's so fabulous. <laughs> Thank you. So, uh, and then we have Katie Cook. <laughs> Uh, Katie Cook is a writer and an artist for us. She does a lot of cute stories, including Secret Wars, Secret Love, and Spider-Verse. And we have some uh, fun pages from her, too, today. Yeah. yeah. So for those who are new to the Women of Marvel world, um, we started out at uh, San Diego Comic-Con uh, in 2009 as a panel to talk about women in comics. And we've gone from there. Um, Jen Grumman was actually on yes. the first panel uh, all those years ago. And Sana Amanat, who is uh, the VP uh, of content and character development at Marvel. She also co-created Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan. She and I got together about three years ago and we were like, we should make this a podcast. And it's sort of grown from there and now we recently relaunched uh, with this beautiful new logo that we love, really like focusing on women and, uh, and just stuff going forward. So uh, by, we're bi-weekly. We actually just launched our new creative content slate with the Marvel New Media. So if you go to marvel.com and Marvel Social Channel, every day we've got new amazing content for you. So Woman of Marvel is bi-weekly. And every other week is The Voices. So Marvel's Voices, which is this amazing new podcast that we just launched last week with uh, this host, Angelique. And she is fabulous. So you guys should definitely tune into that. So that was my spiel. I hope you guys enjoyed that. <laughs> So one of the things we like to start out with on this panel is we like to ask any woman in the audience who wants to work in comics, you want to be a writer, you want to be an artist, you want to be a colorist, you want to work in production, I want you to stand up or raise your hand. So I want you guys to look around and see how many of you there are. Like, that's where it starts. Make friends, make contacts, talk about the stories you want to make, make comics, write scripts. This is where it starts because... You know, when we first started doing this panel, like, we had a few female-led titles. But, like, this is our current slate of female-led titles. Like, 
epic women. We've got Moon Girl. You know, we've got Miss Marvel. We have, you know, Jean Grey coming back. We have Squirrel Girl. We have Spider Gwen. We have Captain Marvel. This is where it starts. You guys are, you know, you guys read our comics, but you guys are the future creators. So make friends, do more, make comics. That's all that matters, right? Yeah. Okay, and then uh, I just recently talked about Marvel Rising, which is this amazing new uh, uh, launch that we're doing later this year. Um, it's starting out as an, a sort of an animation with shorts uh, and a feature uh, featuring these epic characters, uh, including Miss Marvel, Squirrel Girl, uh, Ghost Spider, um, and we have a comic that's coming out uh, with this, and it's going to be a free 10-page comic that's being given out on Free Comic Book Day, which is the first Saturday of May. So go to your local comic book store and support your comic shops and uh, pick up these, these great covers. So, um, and then we have uh, the comic event itself. It launches in June, um, in just in time for Father's Day, so you guys can check out for that. Yeah. Oh, now, look, Jen. Oh. <laughs> so... 16 years. Yes. That's kind of amazing. Yeah, it's pretty great. I uh, did not think it was going la to last this long. <laughs> <laughs> I have it, photos of you yeah. from 2007, which <laughs> is amazing. Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty exciting. I worked at a comic book store. This is how I got here. Basically, I started a comic book store. I made friends with editors and then got my internship. And, you know, at the time, it was people were not lasting that long. Like, this was, what, 2002? So, you know, I was like, oh, if I can get a year out of this job, it's going to be great. Like, I'm, I'm set. That's awesome. And then here I am. It's going to be June. I think June will be my 16-year anniversary. So it's pretty exciting. I got a statue last year from Disney, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> 15 years. Yeah. Sorcerer Mickey on my desk is pretty cool. <laughs> so on a day-to-day, -day, you know, you're really... Uh, uh, focusing on sort of the trades. So I talked a little bit about that, the collections, right? But you have, there's so many trades going on all the time. Yeah. Like, what's your sort of crazy life every day? <laughs> yeah, we, well, we, it is a little bit easier than doing the issues. <laughs> we just have to collect what's already made. But, um, so we put out, uh, I probably put about, not just me, I have a whole office, but maybe like 60 to 80 trades a month, plus reprints, plus like weird little, just random free things or, or, you know, True Believers is one we're doing lately. We've been reprinting, like, single issues for a dollar, which are doing really well because people can, like, check out old stuff for cheap. <laughs> that the only thing better than free is cheap, so that's good. <laughs> but, um, I don't know, so mainly for trades, it's, it starts with the sales department. They decide, like, what trades are coming out, which pretty much is just everything we make. Like, we don't really, there's very few books we don't collect. Um, but um, it's just a matter of figuring out, like, what issues go in each trade, and then, you know, how they lay out. You got to make sure all the spreads are right. You got to make corrections, because every, every writer always wants to make changes later. <laughs> so I have to do that. Um, and uh, uh, filling up the back with bonus material, which I know a lot of people really like. We don't always get to do it, but when we do, it's really fun. And in fact, that Runaways uh, trade that should be coming out soon, um, which, by the way, is a great series. You should definitely check it out. Um, has a whole bunch of extras in the back and there's actually a, a Barnes and Noble exclusive with even more extras in the back so you should definitely look for that it's awesome um, and then I manage designers so then like I have to give them uh, I basically tell them like what what we need for the book on the cover we give them the back cover copy the information and I'm like I need this kind of I need this designed and so these these were designed uh, for my office it was recent yeah and um, I think we went with for the the runaways one we're doing like a whole new like style, they wanted to make it look kind of like young adult novel kind of style, which is really cool. Um, and it's it's pretty simple. Mainly, my job is mainly pr like a project manager. It's not the same as like most editors that like read stories and give notes and all that kind of stuff. But um, but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Wait, and your book and your work is sort of like getting the books out to people that might not necessarily be going to the comic book stores, yes, you know, yes. and I think, I think that's really important because so many of our fans start out with, with buying the trades or someone buys them a trade yeah. or they're, they go to a, you know, a, someone's like, oh, I have this trade, you should read this. Because trades are more easily to pass, obviously, than single issues. Yeah, plus you also know where to start. That's, I know I, that's a lot of people have a problem when they want to start into comics, like where... Where can I start? If you go in a comic store and you see like hundreds of issues, you're just like you can't just pick up a random one and be like, oh, okay, what? But at least here, you got most of the time it's pretty intuitive. Volume one, you know, go here. I want to read about Thor. I'm gonna go to volume one. Sometimes we have multiple volume ones, <laughs> but that's you know that's another story. <laughs> We've been putting things now in the trades in the inside, showing you the order too. So that's really helpful. 
Well, and also you get to work on these super cool, like yes. big books. Yes. That are like, like the monster book was like, I think, wasn't yeah, it like two and a half feet by like, like. It was like this tall. It was so huge. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's a monster book, it literally. It is a monster book. Yeah, we just, we're doing one now, I think, about Galactus. It's a, some kind of a Galactus story, and it's, it's like going to be like really, really huge. So you should get it. <laughs> That's this definitely one, what you need your coffee tables. Yeah. This one is really awesome. This grand design. This is a really, this is really popular right now. I don't know if you guys have heard about it, but um, Ed Pisker, he did um, Hip Hop Family Tree, and it was really huge. So then we, he came over. He's a big, big X-Men fan. So he did this book. And this one is a little different because um, I worked with him a lot to get everything together, but he designed the whole thing himself. He was like, I'm, I want to do everything, you know, so it's exactly how he wants it. And it, it came out really, really awesome. I, I honestly just, you, I saw it on the floor. So you should, if you see it, pick it up and flip through it. It's really, really cool. It's like a history of X-Men. I mean, that cover is beautiful. Just like yeah. the, the basic colors and stuff. It makes me sort of want to pick it up. Yeah, 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 absolutely. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. So for those who don't, who have fans that aren't readers of comics, you can get stuff like these like amazing trades, put it on your coffee table. So when you have people yes. over and they're like, oh, look at that book. And then you're like, here, have a comic and read more comics. And there you go. You're reading all the comics. Yeah. And oh, it's on your app. You should also read it on your phone. Please get everyone <laughs> addicted. Everyone you know. Yes. Because there's great stories. So, switching gears slightly, um, so what we really wanted to focus on was sort of the differentiating styles and processes that, that cr- all of our creators at Marvel and in general in the comics world sort of focus on. So we've got three amazing artists with us today, and each one of them sort of work differently. They, their, their style is so uniquely different. So we've got um, Rochelle's coloring of this beautiful um, Return of the Phoenix. Uh, we have Jen's uh, America cover. And then we have Katie's um, page in, uh, in a fun little sort of spidey. Uh, he wrote a fan fiction about himself. <laughs> Isn't that great? He's, he's Sailor Moon. Yeah. Look at his spider buns. They're yeah. The best. Hypno hustlers saying, no, we were soulmates in this AU. <laughs> so first up, we're going to we'll start with Rochelle. So now Rochelle was great enough that she made a, time, a, uh, a screen capture of uh, one of the pages that she did recently. Um, and so I'm going to play this. But Rochelle, sort of, what's your process? How do you color? Um, okay, so obviously I get a black and white page. Um, I send them out for flats. So I have people basically take the black and whites and they color it in like you would a coloring book. Um, completely random colors, but it just makes it easier for me to go in and select shapes and then go in and paint them. So once I get the page back, I pretty much lay out the tone of the page uh, according to the script or any of the artist's notes. And then I go in and render it. And this is actually a flashback page. So the writer actually requested that it be kind of like a monotone um, coloring. So toward the end, you'll see um, I color it all, but then I'll go in and I'll drop in some monotone colors to kind of give it that flashbacky feel. And this is from uh, Hunt for Wolverine, number one, with Dave Marquez. Yeah, so like the interesting thing, so I, I work on Marvel Quick Draw, which is a series that focuses on like how comic creators got started in the business, their process, time lapses. And like, you know, obviously I have a base understanding of what colors do, but I didn't know what blocking was until I went to Laura Martin's and she was like, oh yeah. And, the, and she was looking at a page and I was like, but it's already colored. She's like, oh no, no, this is, this is it. This is it, what I got from the blocker. And I was like, oh, oh. Yeah, and it's such an in- interesting sort of un sort of known world, and like sort of I think the entry for a lot of colorists yeah. is they start there. Yes, and that's true. A lot of um, colorists, if they're not getting a bunch of work, they'll you know do the flatting and for like side work. And even when I started, I would flat all my own pages just to save money because you know you're paying other people to do part of the process. It's like very an uncreative part of the process, but there are a lot of flatters that they go in and they, they kind of like make it their own with their own palette. So, you know. Yeah. So yep, here's so the, here's the Dave, original Dave Marquez piece. And then this is the finished piece. And I think the really thing about Carol, colorist is sort of the unsung heroes, right? You know, you guys are the last to get the pages besides obviously like putting the word bubbles on the page, mm-hmm. yeah. but 
you know, you, you finish the page, right? You take this, this beautiful art that the comic artist penciled and inked, and now you have to create lighting and color and the mood, you know. If you had shaded this sort of a dark and blue tones, it would have been much more sad and sort of melancholy. But, like, this is, like, sort of not uplifting, but, like, you think it's, like, you know, a flashback scene. Like, how do you sort of attack a page and you're like, I'm going to make this a yellow warm tone? <laughs> um, I don't... I, actually, I usually do very, like dull sepia tones for most of my flashback pages. I know there are a lot of colors that have their own. You can tell when you go through, you know, comics, you'll be like, oh, this colorist uses this kind of tone for their flashback scenes. And so that's kind of my, like, calling card, I guess. Um, I, I, for this book, um, Dave and I actually talked, there were a couple movies he wanted me to watch. And he, uh, the cinematic director used a lot of um, yellows and the foggy atmospheric look, and he really wanted me to use those type of tones. So that's why this is like, I kind of went with the more yellow where it's all kind of yellowy washed. Um, And then even in this page and in a lot of the pages, you'll see the kind of like foggy atmospheric, which is what I pulled from movies. And Movies is a great source of inspiration because they also use color and lighting to show mood, which is really important in telling comics. So, And, you know, you have such sort of interesting coloring, depending, like, so we go from, like, you know, this sort of warmish tone, and obviously we have, like, the Mockingbird cover and a Miss Marvel cover and the Defenders piece, but, like, skin tones. Like, that seems like the most of a challenge. Like, how do you tackle yeah. skin tones? Um, skin tones is actually quite difficult because I work digitally but you have to remember that this is going to be a printed piece so a lot of times I'll see stuff on my screen but Marvel will go and print stuff first and then they'll come back and be like well this printed a little darker or like Storm you know African American she's looking a little pale you know so I have to go in and manipulate you know skin tones it's it's definitely something I have to be aware of, and then, but take into consideration, um, you know, the print, you know, digital to print factor. And then, I, so that I just want to show this page because it's kind of epic. So this is uh, the Hunt for Wolverine cover. How many characters are on this page? Um, over 275. We lost count after that. So, so isn't this, this is amazing. So Todd Knock drew this uh, at its epic and you've spent like $45? I spent 36 hours, okay. but that doesn't compare to the 175 hours he spent on it. Did you kick him? <laughs> I cried a little bit. Actually, I told him after I finished this, it's definitely one of the most emotional pieces I've ever worked on. I literally cried when I finished because it was, it was a happy and yet like relief feeling. So... I mean, it's amazing. Obviously, my eye goes straight to Double Dinosaur. Duh. (laughs) But there's just like, you know, these sort of covers are one of those things you can buy as a poster. I think you get, I think it's currently, you can pre-order as a poster. Yep, in May it's released as a poster. And like, this is like a great thing, I think, if you have kids at home and just put it up and then you can be like, can you find that kid? Can you find that kid? Because we have an old poster from the 1980s in the office. It's from the 80s, right? Yeah. And it used to be all the Marvel characters in the universe, and at that time we only had like a thousand. Now we have six thousand. But we like to bring uh, talent and celebrities by and see if they can guess, like find the find the person in there and see if, or see if they can guess who that character's name is. They're all like classic '80s costumes too. They're great. This is, I think I'm definitely gonna put this on my new office door. Oh yeah, that's right. You have an office. That's <laughs> yeah, so exciting. Got a new office. I'm very excited about it. Um, but this is perfect. It's going up there. Yeah, really good stuff. So. So, uh, and so, you know, going from a colorist to now a coverist, right? So where do you start? Like, it seems like I would look at a blank page and be like, I don't know what to do now. Like, how did you tackle this Gwenpool cover? Yeah, so um, typically with cover art, uh, the deadlines are pretty tight, I would say, at Marvel. And um, a lot of editors provide, like, prompts. Um, it kind of depends on the book and it depends on what issue of the series it is because um, my favorite types of covers to do are what we call evergreen covers and it, it kind of means that they can be used on any issue and they're typically standalone iconic poster-esque images that, um, that can kind of not 
be narrative and not relate to what's going on in the story. And I feel like those always hold up best. And um, when Heather asked me to do this cover, I knew that it was going on the final issue of Gwenpool. And uh, because it was tight, normally I provide like four sketch options, but for this, I only provided two because it was, it was a tight deadline. Um, and I basically wanted to have either like Gwen kind of surrounded by a bunch of friends uh, supporting her or, um, you know, the, the different versions of Gwenpool uh, with sort of a casual Gwen in the center. Um, and that's the one that they ended up choosing. And so you can see on, um, on the left, I've got my initial sketches. And those are really loose, quick, just send them in so I can get an idea across. Um, and then the one on the right is my pencils. Um, and so that's what I would actually ink on top of. Yeah. So for those at home who are listening to this podcast but can't see things, we're actually going to put all this stuff up on uh, Marvel.com. So uh, you can swing over and check that out. And then so now we have the next step. So now you've taken your initial sort of sketch and you've inked it. Yep. And then you put sort of the basic colors down. And here's the final. And I, I love the sort of differentiating of tone and sort of colors that you went from sort of that, se- that secondary color, first cover, to like the beautiful final one. Yeah, so you can see like it's, it's kind of how, I mean, I feel like all colorists kind of work similarly. And I'm, I'm coloring my own work here, obviously. But um, just like a flatter would do, I lay down the base colors um, and then I render on top of that. Um, and everything kind of gets tied together at the very end. Like the last step is to kind of put those sort of filters on and adjust the colors and, and tie everything together. Also, your clothing, like your clothing, <laughs> like she's wearing this super cute jacket with these pins. Like, how do you decide? Do you like look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, I'm really fashionable today? <laughs> I think there's definitely a, a look that I gravitate toward, but uh, I threw the pins on there in hopes that you guys would make them. <laughs> <laughs> I would buy Noted. those pins. I really want a Kamala Khan pin. <laughs> oh my God, I do too. It's so great. And, like, again, I'm talking about the hair. I feel like the, the hair is more noticeable definitely in this America cover, which oh, yeah. is beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. So, yeah. yeah, you can see on this one, like, this is a cover that I had a little more time on. And so, obviously, I sent in more options for them. And it's funny. There's this sort of, like, running joke with, with my covers. Um, I tend to, when I send in sketches, uh, my goal is to typically provide... Uh, lots of different options and so I like to do one where it's more pulled out and you can see the entire character's body Um, I tend to offer like a three quarter shot or a half body I try to throw in like an action shot in there and then I always throw in a head shot just to have one and nine times out of ten that's the one that gets picked (laughs) and that's what happened here um, I think a, a big reason for that is because like close-up headshot covers are very striking and very visible on the shelf. So it's, it's definitely not without purpose. Um, but yeah, that's the one that got chosen. So we have the sort of the base color. Mm-hmm. And then you put sort of this interesting shading in. Mm-hmm. And then the final, so with the beautiful rainbow over yeah. her face. <laughs> and again, the pins. <laughs> yeah, actually, that one uh, wasn't my idea. That was uh, Will Moss, the editor on America, actually asked if I could throw in some very specific pins. And one of them was the uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine Rosa button. <laughs> and if you guys know, Stephanie Beatriz like, has talked about how she wants to play America like multiple she, times. She did, like, there's a picture of online dressed as her. I think. She yeah. wore my pins on Halloween because she dressed up as America but this cover came out right around San Diego Comic Con and she actually came to my table to pick up my pins to dress up as her oh that's amazing yeah I know you have so if you guys want to she has a girl gang pin and it is epic and you should go down and pick it up at her table at Artist Alley I own it it's great I like the old Young Avengers logo on there too yeah Mm -hmm. I mean you know coloring hair is that hard or are you just like it's easy it's definitely I feel like the way that I color is a little on the labor intensive side for sure Um, but yeah I just I think the hair is like one of the more relaxing parts I get to just kind of noodle (laughs) so See, that's, like, as a photographer, that's my first trade. (laughs) Photoshopping out hair is probably the most painful of them all. So I'm always like, I don't want to show up that hair, so we're just going to leave it as is. (laughs) 
and talking about great hair, we have these amazing pages that is new. Um, this is coming out in the Mighty Thor at the Gates of Ahala. It's on sale next month, May 16th. Um, and these are, I think, recently in. Uh, yeah, I just turned them and I just finished up. Matt Wilson's going to be coloring them. Um, and the, it's a 15-pager about Thor's granddaughters. Yeah. I, I like how, you know, obviously you put this sort of interesting lightning already in before the colorist tackles it. Like, is that, is that something like it's easier for them to sort of work on it? Is it something that you like to do? Yeah, well, I, um, I mean, I would never expect a colorist to actually, like, draw anything on the image. And so because the lightning is, it's not just like a filter or an effect you can put on. You have to, well, at least for, I don't know if other people do it this way, but I hand draw all of the lightning. Um, and then I just put, like, the glow effects that I normally would so Matt doesn't have to fuss around with it. Just trying to make his life easier. <laughs> and the part of this page, or these pages that you aren't seeing are that all of the layers are kind of separated out. So uh, typically what I do is I, I do, like, my foreground character inks on one layer, and then I do all the background inks on either one or more layers so that when the colorist goes in, if he wants to apply what we call color holds, it's, it's essentially where you color the line art. Um, and it helps with things like atmospheric perspective. So for example, like on that first image, um, on the second page, it's a, it's a panel that shows Asgard. Um, the buildings are on a separate layer than the uh, like mountain rock areas. So if Matt's coloring this and he wants the buildings to stand out more, he can very easily just push the rocks back um, and he doesn't have to fuss around with the layers. So that's kind of a big part of doing interior pages too. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I just like, whenever we, when I talk to people about digital art and how, how much it has changed the way mm -hmm. comics are made, mm -hmm. I think back to like where they used to literally draw on the same board. They'd pencil the board, they'd pass it to the inker, the inker would yeah. literally use ink to ink it, then they'd pass it to the colorist, then they'd pass it to the word bubble, and they literally, and so that's why there's only ever one board. It's even crazier with yeah. the, back then, they had to color the pages and then make a, they have to get like a chart of like each color that yeah. the printer would then have to use. Take, because you couldn't just take the page and just mass produce it. So they had to have the printer give them the Pantone list of each, each color. Like if you, Matt Hollingsworth will post this stuff online sometimes or he'll show his old like comic pages. And it's really, it's really crazy. It's amazing that yeah. this stuff got done this way. It's like yeah. so, much, so much more work. It's not. Yeah, it does sound like a lot of work. I mean, we still have a bullpen, but like it's not the same bullpen yeah, that mostly, it used to be. Yeah. They're mostly designers now, not, uh, not yeah. artists and stuff. It's not like a big room with a bunch of people furiously working. <laughs> I mean, they're still furiously working. Yes. <laughs> it's just it's everyone's like a computer this time. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then I've got these the super cute pages from Katie. And I, I think that's so interesting about Katie. So now, Katie, one more added step to this. You're also a writer. Yes. So, you know, this, you wrote this cute little story that was in Not Branch Eck. Eck? Is that how you pronounce it? Um, which is a cute little one-shot, which is like, so like, how do, you, how do you add on to that? Is it like easier for you to write your own stories to draw it? Or does for me, it... it's, it's easier for me to, to write my own stories. Um, the only time I've ever written where I don't draw the thing as well is I used to be the lead writer for My Little Pony. <laughs> you can't tell. <laughs> um, but, you know, I love writing my own stuff because I write what I want to draw. And when they approached me for this book, it was all of a sudden like, wait, you're telling me I can do whatever I want with Spider-Man? <laughs> so, okay. And uh, so, yeah, it's about Peter Parker writing a fan fiction about himself. <laughs> and so it goes through all the tropes. So he's like in his own Hogwarts house and then he has Hypno Hustler. And then he's like, no, 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 I'm in an anime. So I made him Sailor Moon. <laughs> I, I see Peter is wanting is watching Sailor Moon. I think that's I accurate. I think that's accurate. And then he's a Sailor Moon werewolf, and then he's like, and then I totally get the girl, and then he his spidey senses tingle, and he like jumps off. But it's like <laughs> it's a few pages long, and it's super cute. And um, I guess that's what I get called upon for is like, well, we need someone to do something really dumb for a couple pages. <laughs> so <laughs> Katie's probably free. <laughs> Um, but it's amazing that I'm allowed to play in the Marvel sandbox like this. Um, I also illustrate Star Wars children's books, and they're all in this style with this sense of humor, and it's one of those things that I'm, I'm very lucky that Disney has kind of given me this little seal of just just go do whatever you do <laughs> and just get it in on time, and it's fine. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, I love writing. I love drawing it. 
Um, this one, it, this was, uh, I think, colored by Nathan Pride. Sometimes I don't have time to color everything. Usually I use a flatter, now that everybody knows what that term is. <laughs> um, which is an amazing, amazing, amazing time saver. Mm -hmm. so. We also have this one, which is super cute. Another sort of tease to the Disney World. Yep. Yeah, it's, um, and now, because um, you guys used to do a Haunted Mansion comic, that was really yeah. fun. And I also do um, uh, Disney theme park merchandise, so I'm very well acquainted with the Haunted Mansion. And that stuff is all watercolored, um, so I don't do that digitally, but, I mean, it's a blast. Well, you keep busy, don't you? I do. <laughs> my kids don't know what my face looks like. <laughs> and then we also have these amazing um, Thanos pages. Oh, uh, oh, my God, isn't he so cute? No one's seen these yet. <laughs> So this is also new art. This isn't out yet. This is the, in the new Thanos annual. Um, it's on sale April 25th. Um, and so I, I, Katie was like, hey, there's Thanos pages. And I was like, okay, let me go find them. And I was like, look at these cute little ra no, they're not rabbits. What do you call them? Adorals. Adorals. <laughs> well, it's, uh, Jordan sent me an email, and he said, Katie, how do you feel about writing and drawing the goriest Thanos story ever told? <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> and it was. It was like, what? It was like, we're, we're doing this collection of really dark stories. And I was like, what? Because I do. I do children's books. And again, wrote My Little Pony. Yeah. <laughs> so there's this story that I did that's Thanos, and he just blew up a planet. And then he sees this, this shining, bright planet, and he's like, what's over there? And he lands on it, and he runs into these guys who are all just adorable and doing whatever they want to please him. They're like, yay, new God! And um, he's like, well, what, what do you got going on here? And they're like, we worship the heart. So, of course, he's like, the heart of the universe? Bring it to me. And then all of a sudden, they start tripping over each other to murder themselves to make him happy. Uh, oh, yeah. I can't wait to read <laughs> There's a lot of uh, guts that look like teddy bear innards <laughs> everywhere and finally Thanos looks at like breaks the panel and looks out at the reader and he's like this is not as fun when I'm not doing it <laughs> and then the heart is like a squeaky toy oh my god it's <laughs> so cute just, he's so upset this is this is how you introduce your children to Thanos before Infinity War <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so those are the adorals and after I turned this in I was like this is canon <laughs> but the whole thing Nancy's like let us never speak of it but even I showed it to my husband and he was like do you need a hug <laughs> I was like did I do something is there like are you okay but I loved it it was just one of those things again getting to play in the sandbox of like I can do anything alright and that's what I sent in and I think even Jordan was like alright um, <laughs> whew, whew. Might be a tough sell in the meeting on Monday, but let's do this. It's fine. <laughs> it's very pastel. It's very pink. If you look really closely, Thanos is wearing a little pair of tidy whities um, His outfit lifts up. Tidy blueies. Yep, tidy blueies. Isn't that what, like, what cheerleaders wear? What are those things called? Like when they, they kick up? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah, the bloomers. That's right. I used to be a cheerleader. I can't Thanos remember. Thanos and his little bloomers. Yeah. <laughs> also canon. <laughs> I mean, so one of the things we like to talk about on the Women Marvel podcast is sort of um, advice, obviously, putting you guys on the spot. But, you know, each one of you work and have gotten in the business so, you know, uniquely differently. Like, do you have advice for those out there who, who want to write or who want to color or, you know, just want to work in this world? Anybody want to go first? Yeah, it's, um, I think with any creative industry, it's not... Uh, you don't really get the opportunity to have a job interview for a freelance position, right? And so the only way to prove that you'll be good at what someone wants to hire you for is to already do it um, and to have a body of work that represents what they can get out of you. So if you want to draw comics, you have to first draw comics. Mm -hmm. I think that's... Yeah. Yeah. Bendis always says that in his like, Tumblr. He's like, just make them. If you want to make them, just make them. And then eventually... Yeah. If, if someone will see them, and if they're if they like them, they'll hire you. Just make them. Yeah. yeah. For me, it was just like I love comics. I don't have this creative thing, so what can I do? All right, let me try an internship and see what happens. That's always a good way in. 
I mean, you know, we, we, we have a great internship program both on our L.A. office and our New York City office. I mean, that's the, I started out as an intern. A lot of people that have been Marvel a long time started out as an intern. You know, I was a photographer slash web designer, and Marvel.com was just starting, and I sort of got in that world. You know, we have lawyer interns. We have HR interns. We have... Uh, we have a library intern. Yeah. To and that's our library. That's kind of amazing because, like, there's this, like, room full of books. And their job is to like look at all these new and old like, and amazing like books. Yeah, it's awesome. You, you don't necessarily need to be. Everyone's creative in their own way, but you don't necessarily need to be a good artist or you know great at hair or what you know. Like find the thing that you love to do and you can do it. And it's, same thing with production. You know, like I'm a producer, so my job is sort of to be on the ground managing budgets and schedules and very like OCD things. And you know, I find that I do that really well. And, and in the in the film and TV world. You know, just like making comics, just make, make, make shows, make things, make it with your phone, you know, make podcasts, do whatever, like the, the technology is there. It doesn't need to be with the $10,000 camera. I don't, these days it's like so much, so much easier to like get your stuff seen than it was like yeah. 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. And, and, and make an online persona too. Well, and to sort of piggyback off of that, I only have been working in comics for like a little over two, like two and a half years now. Um, and before that, I, I think... I wasn't specifically trying to break into comics. I was just trying to have like a freelance illustration or art career. Um, and I think when you're trying to break into any industry, there's a lot of pressure to make work that you think would be appealing to people who you want to work for. Um, and that's important, obviously, but only when I started making work that authentically felt like me uh, did people take notice. And I think there's... There's this catch-22 of, like, you want to make things that you like, but you don't, you don't know if those things will get you hired. And I think what people really are attracted to is passion, right? And so when you make things that you personally are invested in, people pick up on that. And uh, it's, it's a great way to build an audience, I think. Yeah, it's almost all of my work has come from the webcomic that I used to do. Yeah. Um, and I did that for myself, and from there I got hired uh, to do some work for Lucasfilm back before the Disney purchase, and then I was working on My Little Pony. I've done you know stuff for Marvel, and now I work almost exclusively with with Disney as well as my own stuff with Webtoon, and that's amazing to me. So. Yeah. And don't be disheartened if you know obviously it takes you a while, or you're working on something that may not necessarily be like that specific art you want to draw or that specific thing. You know, I think that eventually you'll find that that place, that passion, and it'll it'll come it all come together. So, mm -hmm. I, creative business is not is not an easy world. Um, some people just figure it out really easily. I mean, you know, we have a breaking into comics panel, and every single person's story is so different and mm -hmm. so unique. Um, so, there's another way for you guys to all break in too. So, yeah, cool. So now we're gonna open the floor for Q and A. That single page took 45 minutes. I'm really I'm, fast, though. Um, I was just wondering, since you're all like trying to inspire women to be more into comics now, um, how does it feel having to draw still more male-typical costumes for females? Oh, I don't have to do that. That's not me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I always try to, uh, first and foremost be true to who the character is because I don't think there's actually anything wrong with like women looking sexy or being sexy so for example if I were drawing a character like Emma Frost right like it's it makes sense for her character to be scantily clad and sexy but I think there's a way to do it for the male gaze and there's a way to do it in a way that makes sense because Emma Frost is supposed to be sexy but she's also supposed to have really good taste so, like, she'd be wearing something sexy, but good. Um, and so I always try to consider, first and foremost, what that character would wear and what makes sense for her. Um, but, like, even, like, in the Thor short that I did, I'm actually the first, women, first woman to draw Thor's granddaughters. And every reference image that I had was, like, kind of on the, like, hyper-sexualized side. Um, so doing it in a way where they're, like strong and uh, like have different body types and mm -hmm. you know just paying attention to those kinds of details I, I think it's always a little different when 
a woman draws another woman <laughs> just because yeah. mm-hmm. we know what it's like to wear these clothes. <laughs> yeah. We know how white spandex actually yeah. rests Yeah, on spandex our... is not comfortable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not forgiving. I wear Captain Marvel. But I, I, I think that the one of the, just onto that, like I think we've, we've really done a good job in the last couple of years to sort of re like look at costumes and, and when comic creators, even male comic creators, are looking at them, because a lot of them have daughters and they have, you know, they have sisters. And so, like, obviously Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel's great, Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan, you know, Squirrel Girl has an amazing new costume. And we're getting there. It's slow, but we're getting there, I promise. <laughs> okay. I, I see a hand back there. Oh, over here. Okay, Garrett's rolling it. Hi. Uh, I wanted to know, I have a 1978 issue of Miss Marvel, and I just wanted to know, was it one of the first... Oh, if only one of us had a magical device in her pocket. <laughs> I don't actually know that. I, I know, actually I'm have like, that issue too. Uh, she's got that costume on where her like stomach is shown, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's like that weird costume that that used to exist. I don't know yeah, if that's. A, I don't know I if that's the origin of Carol Danvers. It might be the origin of her as that character. Um, but you know what? You can read coming out this summer is the new um, Life of Captain Marvel. Is that the title? Yeah. Life of Captain Marvel, written by Margaret Stoll. It's coming out. It's going to look at the origins of Carol. And it's uh, we've released some beautiful art. Um, you should definitely follow Margie on Instagram and Twitter. She's releasing art all the time to sort of steal it. But that's a great way to sort of look at Carol's history and, and, and how she got to Miss Marvel and now to Captain Marvel. So. One of those true believers I was mentioning, those dollar comics we just reprinted, I believe is her first appearance. It's very small in the, and she's just like a pilot, I think. And it's just like two or three panels, but that, that's out, I think, now or it will be soon. It's yeah. a dollar. <laughs> uh, so, um, how many comics have you guys made? <laughs> how much time you got? <laughs> <laughs> My Little Pony alone, it's like 40. So I've been in like at least over 100. At wow. Yeah. I feel like Rochelle, it's like the thousands. Yeah. I was going to say like yeah. thousands. Yeah. Touch. <laughs> yeah, um, not too many for me. I, I've just started in this industry relatively recently. So, yeah. You know, the one thing about the comics industry is it is really so fast paced. Like, you know, yeah. Jen, you talked about, you know, deadlines, but like, Marvel, the Marvel editors alone put out 60 to 90 books a month. Like, it's insane. So thinking about, like, and so many artists, that's, if you go down to Artist Alley, they're always, they're firstly working in commissions, but they're also, like, thinking about their deadlines for the next <laughs> book and the next book after that. And so it's, sometimes it's hard to think about it, but I feel like comic artists have hands on so many things. I've only been drawn into one comic. It's my, that's my fame. <laughs> Jen, you've been in comics. I've been in a, a couple. Um, I think Brian Bendis, he, he made me a vampire in Ultimate Spider-Man. I was a librarian, turned into a vampire, and then died in the next issue. <laughs> <laughs> canon. 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 I'm a canon pony. I'm in oh the show. God, that's amazing. Whoa, that's cool. Yeah, I'm jealous. Did you hang out with Rainbow Dash? I was. She's I was I'm from Detroit. <laughs> Detroit. <laughs> That's brilliant. That is awesome. I need some more details about that. Hello, I have two questions. I wanted to know how old were you when you first decided that you wanted to become this type of artist? And second, what type of advice do you have for the young people out there that are beginning to do comics? Uh, we have an after-school comics club at our school, and we have ten girls and three boys, and they love it. This is our first year doing it. And just to hear some advice as to what you have for these young ones. Thank you. <laughs> I'll start. Um, I was five years old when I knew I wanted to become an artist. I remember being in kindergarten and my dad coming to get me. And I was sitting there drawing all my classmates' pictures. And... Um, since then, I mean, my dream at that time was to work for Disney. I wanted to animate. Um, and then I went off to college and was in an animation program and decided that I was more interested in illustrating. Um, once I got out of college, I, you know, messed around with storyboarding and then fell in love with the whole aspect of telling stories. I actually drew a comic, and that's what got me in the industry. And at the time, I was... Uh, taught in oil painting, but I was transitioning to digital coloring, and that was my favorite part of 
the process was actually coloring my own art. So when I started looking for jobs in comics, I figured out very quickly that there was an artist, colorist, letterer, editor, such and such. And so when I started um, working on my portfolio, I only um, focused on coloring. And that would be my advice, and that was some advice I got from a really great teacher in college was, she was like, you know, find your niche, you know, find like one thing that you're really good at and focus, you know, your art toward that. And so for me, that was coloring. I do have a degree. It's in a filing cabinet in my studio. <laughs> Marvel has never asked to see it. It largely you, means nothing. Yeah, you don't need a degree to do art. Mm -hmm. um, if you practice and just work on art, like, I mean, you can be as good as any of us, just drawing over and over and over again. So, For, for an office job, though, you might need a degree. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You My know, brother has a really useful, uh, what is it? He has <laughs> psychology that he didn't finish his graduate degree on, and then a philosophy degree from the University of Michigan, <laughs> and now he's a city planner. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, so I, that's what you can use that I'm for. Really, I don't, like, I feel like a lot of times they... For, for my kind of job, which is a yeah. standard kind of office job, they do want that just because it shows, like, the responsibility and, like, you've, yeah. you've gone through this mm -hmm. process of, like, learning how to, like, work in this kind of... An English know, degree would probably be important for an editor. Yeah. <laughs> well, I had, my, my degree was uh, communications with a visual right. arts minor, mm -hmm. which is actually pretty... And the reason yeah, I t great. did those was I remember my sophomore year going, I don't know what I want to do. Like, all I like is comics. What am I going to do for... You know, I had to pick my major... And so I literally said, I was talking to someone, and I was like, I'm going to go for communications. I'm going to do this visual arts minor. We'll see. Maybe I can get an internship at D.C., and maybe I can get hired there. Um, I had a hard time getting that internship, but, and then Marvels, I met a, an editor at Marvels. I can get you in, no problem. And I'm very glad that I chose that path. <laughs> yeah, I also uh, knew that I wanted to be an artist at a very young age. Um, I think a lot of people in my generation grew up with, like, anime and manga, and so... Mm -hmm. Um, I was very, very interested in that, and at the time, growing up, comics, Western comics, uh, really wasn't as inviting to girls. Um, and so I grew up mostly liking manga, and I never thought that there would be space for me in this industry. Um, and so I majored in illustration, thinking that's the, the path that my career would take, um, and only, like, three, four years ago, did, did the industry really start to move in a direction where I felt like maybe this is something I could do. Maybe my style can actually fit into Western comics now without me having to drastically change everything that I did. Um, and sure enough, I was able to start getting jobs because I think there has been a pretty big shift in the industry. And, and especially with Marvel, I think there's been... Um, a very intentional effort to hire more women. Um, and so that's how I was able to get started. Um, but as far as advice goes, I think the most important thing is to uh, befriend your contemporaries and help each other out. Because there's a lot of people who want to start out in an industry like this one, and they really just want to get advice uh, from their heroes. And that's important too. It's important to look at, you know, who you admire and, and the kind of work that they're making. But really, the people who are going to help you the most are the ones right beside you who are making work uh, alongside you at the same caliber at the same time. Um, there are people that I've known for years now who have helped me, who I've helped. And when I first became their friend, we had nothing to offer each other. And now we do, you know? And so I think sometimes it's really important to not ignore those people just for your heroes. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. for me. It's I've, I've never wanted to do anything with my life but be a cartoonist. So I'm really glad it's worked out. <laughs> um, you know, since, since kindergarten, since before then, I wanted to be a newspaper cartoonist. I wanted to make the next Calvin and Hobbes. I wanted to make the next Peanuts. And then I got to college and newspapers died. <laughs> So I was like, oh. <laughs> and I love comic books, so, you know, I, I got an illustration degree from the College for Creative Studies in Detroit, and I will, uh, you know, I loved that experience. I loved going to college. I loved learning all about all these different fields of artwork. But, you know, I always went back to cartooning, and cartooning is what I did. And then after, after college, I worked as a graphic designer. I designed products for Target. I designed, you know, stationary stuff. And all that time, I was working in comic books and drawing my own comics, 
And again, I started doing this webcomic, and all of a sudden, people were like, oh, Katie can meet a deadline. Katie gets something out every week. Oh, Katie can do this. Let's give her another you know, platform. And all of a sudden, I went from being an indie creator to being mainstream. And uh, Marvel is, is one of the companies that gave me my first few shots of doing one shots and two shots. Like Marvel kind of discovered what I could do outside of my own realm. And then from that, I guess I started working with IDW on My Little Pony. I started doing more work for Marvel. I started doing more work for Disney. Um, I've been writing for Disney Publishing now. I've been doing artwork for Disney Publishing, all in different realms. And all of that starts from that one little spark when you're a kid going, I like comic books. <laughs> so and I've, I've never lost that spark, and I'm sure none of us up here have because this is our industry. And uh, I tell every single kid that wants to be in this, this job that the worst day of my job is still the best day of my job because mm-hmm. this is my job. That's awesome. So that's, <laughs> that's all i got to say about that. <laughs> okay, we have uh, one more question. This question is for all of you. If you could choose one woman of Marvel, who would you be? I mean, obviously I'd be Captain Marvel. <laughs> uh, I actually, Rogue is my favorite X-Men, but the one I would love to be is Pixie because she's got the best hair, she's got wings, oh, yeah. she can fly, and she's got pixie dust. It's awesome. <laughs> um, shoot. I Probably Phoenix because yeah. I think she's really awesome. Yeah. Burned down a village. Yeah. Storm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And the great thing now is we can cosplay as them. Yeah. So we can actually be them without being them. So thank you so much for coming to the panel and coming out thank on you. Sunday. Thank you. Again, if you have, you have questions and you just didn't want to get up on the mic because I know it is terrifying, you can email us at or you can tweet at me or any one of these amazing ladies. Check out their tables in Artist Alley. Come to buy the Marvel booth. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. And we'll see you guys next year. Woo-hoo.